You're listening to this episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast, this last episode that I ever record. Oh my goodness. You know, I shouldn't say it that definitively. I'm grief-stricken. The, the last one that I record as co-host, planned yeah. co-host. You'll just be normal guest. <laughs> yeah. Well, what has <laughs> happened? It tur- I, I used to be un- unaffiliated, then the only host, then co-host, and now your master plan is... is yeah, nearly, finally. Nearly Game of, complete. Game of Thrones right here. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah, the this Red is... Wedding episode of <laughs> Ruby on Rails podcast. Well, it's been so it's been months since we recorded our last episode. Yeah. Last we spoke, you were uh, feverishly working on the GraphQL project, if I recall correctly. Yes, internally back then. But but I think you had mentioned it. Yeah, so it I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I said that we were using it internally at GitHub, I mean. Oh, I see. Uh, but yeah, now the whole world gets to see it too. Well, so I think that we should just jump right in before we get on to the uh, last episode frivolity about your GraphQL uh, deal, because it seems like the GitHub Universe uh, uh, event this year was full of interesting stuff in that you had a lead role in one of the couple most interesting bits. So seems like a good topic. Yeah, yeah. So I mean... Um at Universe uh, this year, GitHub Universe, a bunch of teams shipped a bunch of cool stuff like uh, projects and integrations and GraphQL and um, too many things actually this year to kind of like enumerate to be fair to all the teams. Um, but the one that I was most involved in was GraphQL. So I had talked about using GraphQL on the podcast once before. Um, we were, were using it internally, uh, meaning that application engineers can now call into this GraphQL interface to basically ask for the data that they need or change data. And the announcement at Universe was that we're releasing the first major public GraphQL API um, in early access. And so anyone can basically go to developer.github.com and read about GraphQL and start querying their own data using GraphQL. Uh, it's pretty cool. So remind me, the, the sort of punchline on GraphQL is that you specify the query and the f- relationship, you know, the, the resources and the attributes of those resources in a way that also defines the return set correct yeah basically so i mean graphql is is just a query language so it's just really a specification on how you ask for data and the idea is that um among other things is that it's typed and so when you ask for say the viewer the viewer is a user and so the user can have so many different fields and relationships called connections Um, and you can basically build a query to get exactly the data you want instead of necessarily using um, our rest api where you say oh i want this user and you get back all this data and then you have to go and ask like other endpoints for the data that you need graphql lets you specify in one shot, either asking for data or mutating data, like actually making changes uh, either way. And we have a um, Explorer set up on the developer.github.com site. So you can actually use an IDE to give it a look and build a query or do a mutation. And it has like autocomplete and type ahead and all that kind of stuff. Um, So make it a lot easier to say like, okay, I want to get the user. Oh, a user has repositories. Okay, I want the first three repositories and that kind of stuff. Uh, have people jumped on it yet? Yeah, I mean, in so much that it's a uh, you know in early access for sure. I mean, we explicitly say don't use this for anything serious. Uh, so it's been, I've been super happy with the feedback that we've gotten. You know, a lot of people have been very interested and they're using it and they're writing blog posts about it and everything else. And so yeah, I mean, overall it's been it's been really good. Uh, I'm really excited. Uh, to be working on it and using it internally and externally. I think for GitHub, that's the cool part. Um, You know, it's not just that we're releasing this API, we're releasing it and using it ourselves internally. Uh, So instead of just, you know, having a secondary thing that we have to maintain, now we're building our features on top of this same platform. So the external platform will be uh, you know, very good and up to date and all that. So um, overall, I think it's going to be really cool in the next year or two to just see how that changes GitHub at all. Um, but but yeah, no, the the reception has been good, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited. So what was the path like between 
you know, the first 80% being complete in July and then the next 80% getting <laughs> complete by universe. Were there yeah. any interesting, uh, I don't know, bumps or uh, bumps or victories along the way? Well, I mean, the big thing that we've had to solve is like how to do a public GraphQL API, you know, like how do you permission it? How do you make sure that you're not releasing too many fields or data that you just don't want out in the public yet? Um, and so most of the work that we did in the last, you know, period was that was like, okay, how do we do the public side of this? Because the internal side has been pretty well figured out by people who use GraphQL. Um, but how you do internal and external uh, is a little bit tricky. Um, and is that is is when you say internal versus external is is the entirety of that difference really about the the authorization problem or are there other things too? Um, I mean, there's the authorization problem, but then there's also the way the schema is built, uh, the GraphQL schema on our side. Uh, there's some fields that we don't want to expose yet, either because it's for feature development that's not ready to go out, or there's a privacy concern, but we need those for our own internal application engineers. And so we have to like be able to whitelist the schema, basically, to say, oh yeah, this data should go out and this other data shouldn't. Um, by having both environments, we needed some way to do that. And so we've come up with a solution that works for us right now, and we'll probably iterate on that over time and talk more and share more about how to do both internal and external GraphQL uh, endpoints. But uh, but that was the majority of the work. That in the product productionification, the, whatever the word is, bringing the operational support stuff that's necessary to do this. Sure. Uh, I mean, a lot of instrumentation, a lot of graphs, like being able to pull up queries that people have run and see why they failed and uh, everything like that has been, uh, you know, that's that's always the last mile. I mean, we've talked about that before on the podcast. Just when you bring an app to production, it's usually that last mile of making it ready for production and having everything set up. It usually takes a bit of work. And that was certainly true in this case as well. But What's the short version of the uh, the approach for authorization? How do you do it in a way that's like both performant and c composable in a reasonable way? So right now we're using OAuth scope still. So uh, you basically build a token, you give it the scopes, and then every type uh, essentially or um, a relationship between two types has a required scope. And so in our system, in the schema, we basically say, oh, for a user, a user requires this type of scope. Uh, and then if you call a repository, then anything off of that repository requires repo scope and kind of so on and so forth. So it has this um, a little bit of like a hierarchy of scopes that are required. And the cool thing about GraphQL, again, because it's typed, if you perform a query before we even run, start to execute that query, we can check your token against all possible scopes required to perform that query. And we can say, ah, we can't run this query it, because this field that you requested needs repo scope. Um, and so it's, it's, it's kind of neat because it can still be very dynamic, but we're able to sort of look at what you're asking for and what permissions you actually have and give you very specific instructions instead of um, in the how and how we've built the REST API where you make a call and you might get like a 404 because we can't show you something. Um, GraphQL is always called as you. Um, so like we know what you should and shouldn't see. Uh, and so it's it's a little bit tricky and different than how we did how we've built the REST API, but we're trying to make this more sort of um, clear approach as to permissioning and giving better error messages in GraphQL, at least in this initial early access period. And we'll see kind of how people use it and uh, go from there. So what you meant by that is that like the, the the request always has the context of the user. Yeah, like it, it's more important really internally than externally, but because in because it you know because it is used externally and internally, like as a application engineer at GitHub, you can't do like a global lookup anymore if you're using GraphQL. You know, like it would, we would have to be admitting that data in a way that we would want to be global. Otherwise, everything is always through a user. So it's, you know, if you're ever looking up repositories, you're not doing like repository dot where and then saying, you know, the owner is this user or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everything is always scoped via a user. So it just leads to some interesting data lookup changes and uh, a bit a more protection. And um, it allows us to be able to give like these cooler error messages, essentially, um, which to be fair, we could definitely make the changes to the REST API to make it possible there, too. But um, you know, we're so careful about breaking the REST API in any way uh, that we're kind of making that change with GraphQL, at least. Yeah, so you guys didn't announce any 
sort of takeaway with GraphQL. This is entirely uh, in addition to what's currently or yep. what was previously available. Yep. Yep. GraphQL is just a new thing that we're trying out and we're, uh, we built um, or opened a platform forum. So you can go to platform.github.community and basically talk with us, the engineers that built this and, uh, and, and give us feedback on what's working, what's not working, what data is missing that you want, you know, sort of how are things not going as well as you had hoped. And, uh, and then we can, make make changes as we go and so the hope by getting this out in early access and it'll probably be there for a while um is that we can make make those sorts of changes a lot more easily than we could previously you know um so yeah i mean i'm uh, it's it's just additive now did you announce this at at um in the the big room at universe like in the keynote type room uh chris did um the ceo of github as part of his keynote uh we then we did a talk on it later in the day in our little sidetrack okay i watched the beginning of that video but i i didn't watch enough yet to to know which room you were in yeah i was tucked away in the red room <laughs> um any other interesting things about universe i mean i've i've used the uh the projects feature which uh which is kind of a small feature, but a big step in a direction that I think a lot of people were interested in. So that seemed pretty great. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't checked out like the new profiles yet, those are pretty cool. Um, oh, you know, I haven't really paid attention. I mean, I've noticed it. And yeah, so like if posts. you if you go to like your profile on GitHub now, if you scroll down a little bit when you look at like contribution activity, you can like look back through your entire history at github and so you could be like oh what was the first repository i ever put up and it'll like show you and then you can say what was my first issue when did i join all that sort of stuff see the embarrassing early code you yeah wrote. it's not great <laughs> in it's contrast to the embarrassing recent code that i've written it's kind of funny because like i i had uh you know I, I had i joined in 2008 but like i didn't seriously start using github until like 2012 you know, like, I mean, I used it, but it was like little pockmarks over time. And uh, it, so it's kind of funny to look back and, and consider that. Yeah. So is is this an annual thing, Universe, or is it? Yeah. Is, okay. Yep, this is the second annual one. Um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, if you haven't been, it's, it's pretty great. It's not... Um, I mean, there are, like, GitHub sessions and stuff, but it's not super, like, GitHub-y, you know? Um, obviously, the keynote is, uh, but at least the first one. But the rest of them aren't, and there's a lot of cool talks and very different things. Like, we had, um, oh, my gosh, his name's escaping me, the 99% of Invisible guy. Um, oh, Roman Mars. Yeah, Roman Mars did the closing keynote, um, which was really cool. He basically just, like, performed an episode on stage. It was, it was really neat. Um, That's, that show's great. Yeah, now, does he does he sound the same when you're looking at him speak, or does that somehow off? Yeah, uh, no, the... no, it's exact. It's exactly what you would expect. And he even says, he even said at the beginning, he's like, "I really appreciate if you," <laughs> like jokingly, he was like, "I'd appreciate if you'd stop clapping because you're really gonna mess up my timing." <laughs> it was pretty funny. He has a pretty distinct voice, a pretty great voice. Oh, it's so good, and it's so like. Because I have, whenever I hear it, I imagine him just sort of like leaning back in his chair a little bit and like kind of like using his hands to point, you know, be like, and then there's this other thing and da 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 da. You know, it's the same exact thing in person. So that's I mean, funny because it sounds like it's a little bit of audio processing to sort of give that that I don't know what the right word is that warmth or the bassy like the yeah, it's like that warmth. bassy uh, rumble uh, when he talks. Nope, it's there all the time. Yeah, he can, he stretches out words pretty well. Yeah, it was it was cool. I mean, he used his little iPad to like, inter, you know, put all the music in and everything as he went. It was cool. It was cool. So yeah, yeah I mean, he, it was. Did great. he do one of those really enthusiastic Mailchimp ads during <laughs> the talk? No, there were no Mailchimp ads, unfortunately. <laughs> I thought that was just required if he's going to speak at any. Length. Yeah, no, Mailchimp did sponsor GitHub Universe, though. Uh, I, again, yeah, one can assume. <laughs> no enthusiastic, uh, you know, advertisement, but yeah. there was a really cool uh, thing. But anyway, yeah, Universe was awesome. I highly recommend it if you're interested in going um, next year. I don't think they've announced dates yet, but it's it's a, it's just a, a grant that I work there, so that's probably part of the reason why I think it's cool. But uh, it's it's just a really cool conference. It's like low key, lots of interesting topics, good food. It's not uh, over the top from a like. Um, 
like parties and you know like all that sort of stuff uh it's it's a great i i love it i look forward to it every year so there had to have been at least one good party well the only party that they did i think really was um they did a benefit concert for um black girls code um and had common there which was pretty cool uh so common performed uh with uh the lion babe as the opener and so they were cool but it was uh like that was kind of like it and it was an it, they sold tickets to the public as well um so and all the money went to black girls code so did you go to the concert i did not go to the concert that was at the end of the day where all my stuff went out and so i just wanted to go and sit and do absolutely nothing that day <laughs> so if i asked you if common how old common looks you'd have to lie I'd have to go off the press photo on the website. <laughs> well, everyone looks young in their press photo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone that went said he did an awesome job, but it was, an, it was a great concert. So, uh, and I, the few videos I saw made it seem like he was into it and it wasn't just like a corporate event. So I don't know if it was because it was a fundraiser or that's just common and he's always great, but he seemed into it compared to other corporate events I've seen where they're just like, okay, give me my money and let me go sing a song or two and I'm going to go home now. <laughs> well, I think he's a, so I think he's an actor, so that's got to help. I guess that's true. I guess that's exactly what he was doing and I was just sold hook, line, and sinker from the videos I saw. Well, I mean, if you're an actor, it's not even disingenuous to sort of I put know. on a... I know, he's like, wow, he's, he's that good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, either... Because even if you're criticizing his performance for being a bit of a you know, bit of a put on, I mean, you're kind of complimenting his the right his skills. acting ability. Yeah, which is uh, yeah, you know. I didn't think of it that way. That's kind of like that's both really great and like kind of horrible to think about. <laughs> <laughs> Why that, that no one could ever tell if he's... yeah yeah oh man. Well, well there's that joke about alive. that that you know if if you go if he went through his whole life and he always seemed genuinely into it, does it matter if he was or wasn't? Like that's at some point, I think faking it's probably about equivalent to not faking it if you do it all the time. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Well, con- congratulations to you and nice. yeah, the but, crew. Yeah, I was gonna the say gaggle. It was not only you, I assume. No, it was not. It definitely was not. There was a, a whole crew of people who uh, worked on uh, worked on everything, and then the the eight special people who work uh, on my team that did uh, the GraphQL uh, r- release and the integrations release. So very exciting. Now, what was your strategy to, to uh, thank them adequately during your talk? I, I guess there are multiple options. You could have not thanked them. You could have like forgotten. Yeah. I just Jim. said this was all me and I did it by myself. And so I uh, know I, uh, so one of the things that um, uh, I've seen other people do that I I took on and I think the entire team actually did because uh, we also had a partner day the day before universe where we basically sat with integrators and showed them some stuff and talked to them about their unique needs. Uh, and so on both that day and uh, universe, uh, we put their avatars up on slides. And so it's kind of interesting when you do that because it feel it's like, at least in my head, I was like, you know, I want to make sure that everyone gets their fair share because especially with this GraphQL thing, as I switched from being, you know, an independent uh, developer working on this to being a manager, you know, my technical contribution definitely went down. And so it's not really fair for me to get to stand up there and be like, look at me, I'm smart and I did this because that's not really how it works. Um, but, uh, so I wanted to make sure I put everyone's faces up. And when you like actually put everyone's faces up, both the people on the team and the design staff that helped out the operation people, biz dev people, you know, Facebook people who helped. I mean, there's a lot of people. Uh, and so it's biz, it's biz dev people made it onto this slide. Uh, at partner day for sure. Oh, okay. I, that makes more sense. Yeah. I mean like, so the, the, the thing that I, I don't really want to spend too much time talking about on this podcast, but like the big thing for me, especially at universe this year was not just the GraphQL thing, which is technically interesting, but how we're changing how we work as a platform. Um, which sounds really businessy, but we're just being way more open. Like we have a road, a public platform roadmap. Now we have the, the community, we have office hours that we're doing. There's a lot of really cool stuff that we're trying to make a much more open um, collaborative platform uh, for people to integrate with. And that that sort of stuff led to things like, or at least helped contribute to things like GraphQL and, and whatnot. And so uh, it, takes, it takes a lot of people to build something that is worth building on. And it's, you know, the technical side is but one small piece. So uh, I, I, it, I think it's important uh, to, to 
to add them in as well because <laughs> well, they're, they're superheroes. That was just a jab at business. Yeah, I, I, I know, I know like, it is. But when they, when any of those people listen to this, I don't want them to be like, "Kyle, Kyle, you didn't come to bat for me." I thought we were. You I just let we that friends, joke Kyle. go. Yeah, you just let that joke go. I'm like, no, I'm not letting any of these jokes go. This is Sean's last episode. I can do whatever the hell I want now. <laughs> I know, man. You've become Mister Manager here. Uh, you like uh, that? You know, quickly making sure everyone's feelings are accounted for. Yeah, you know, everyone did everyone did good stuff. And spending your time making slides. But <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You have any idea how hard it was to figure out the first time how to do a circle avatar face in Keynote? My goodness. I'm a professional now. You used Keynote. I'm gonna put that on my I'm gonna put that on my LinkedIn uh, skills section. Can can mask a photo in Keynote? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like that's a skill worth mentioning nowadays. It's it's really not that hard actually. I'm not even gonna give you that much credit for it uh, whatever don't you just like make the shape and say like well, i didn't know that i didn't know that sean no i just guess how many more how have is. you made oh, okay whatever fine <laughs> just just make me feel dumb no i was joking i, I have done that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah oh uh, well one last technical question so if yeah. i wanted to explore um exposing a graphql uh, api on an app that i had that was built in rails is there tooling that's that's good for that now, or is that something you're working on? Just give me a quick lay of the land. Yeah, for that. sure. So, I mean, a lot of this stuff can be found at graphql.org. They just uh, released a new version of their site uh, in line with our announcement, which is pretty great. And it just came out a technical preview, which is cool too. But um, we use a Ruby gem called GraphQL Ruby, as you would expect. Uh, that's an open source project that we've uh, contributed back to. Uh, but Robert Masalgo is the maintainer for that, and he's done a great job. So... What that allows you to do is basically create a GraphQL schema in Ruby and execute your queries as you would expect. And, and there's very little, um, very little glue that you would need to make it work uh, like in a, in a web UI, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, so that's GraphQL Ruby gem. And then there is a company um, called Apollo um, of the Meteor family of companies, if you're familiar with them. Uh, they have... Uh, tools and clients and hosted web apps that can help you basically use GraphQL as a service, essentially. So um, I, I haven't personally used it, but they seem um, super nice. And, and the, the stuff I have seen about it is looks looks very interesting. So if you're interested in using this, but you're not really necessarily ready to dive all the way in, it might be a great uh, place for you to, to take a look. Cool. Well, that's a good update. Yep, I did a thing. Yeah. Well, it seems like, you know, not to make this uh, a GitHub promo, but uh, this is a good year for GitHub. I mean, was it this year or last year you released that little key that unlocks GitHub? That was oh, last the Yuba key. That was last year, yeah. This seems like an upgrade in you terms think? of... I don't yeah. know. Nobody got keys this year. <laughs> this, seems like, this seems like progress. Right, I guess. I mean, it seems cool, but... Yeah, yeah. It's no dongle, but it's... <laughs> uh... Thank you. Finally, someone <laughs> understands. Um, yeah, no, I mean, all joking aside, like, uh, one of my, uh, coworkers, Ben Lavender put a tweet out that was like for the first time in like, you know, four years, like there's never been a day like this. And it's totally true. You know, I mean, we, we turned on like five or six or seven features within the course of 30 seconds that, ha you know, were well done pull request reviews, the profiles, the GraphQL stuff, uh, 2FA enforcement. I mean, a lot of mm -hmm. stuff. And the, the interesting thing, like, a, for a little bit from under the covers is just that, like, it, it's, and I don't think anyone said this, but it's not that we had all this stuff and we, like, sat on it, you know, for, like, six months so we could be like, hey, look at this really cool universe day. It just sort of happened that, you know, everyone w had something that was ready to go and good and could ship uh, around this time alongside other things that were sort of slated for universe, uh, for example, like GraphQL and whatnot. And so it's it's been really interesting internally just to watch all the teams really come together and go, you know what, we want to, like, do this thing. And they did. And, yeah, I mean, as an employee, I definitely feel super... Um, just excited. Universe was great this year. Well, it's nice to have a milestone to rally around anyhow. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like an anniversary. You know, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with uh, focusing on that, even though you could be sweet. Yeah, but I didn't stop day. at, like, CVS on the way to the party and got a card. I've been like, is this good enough, you know? <laughs> yeah, we'll call that the YubiKey versus uh, <laughs> the, the YubiCard. Yeah.
Well, anyhow, and good for you. <laughs> That's all I got. This is, I mean, I'm just sick and tired of pumping you up, Daigle. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, what's, what's going on with you, I guess? Well, uh, I can give, it's been long enough now uh, since our last episode. I was going to say I... since our summer episode where we both, uh, through either hubris or, uh, you know, reasons that led to today, which uh, became very difficult to record. The best part about that is that every week we thought we were going to record. I mean, yeah, and by yeah. thought, I mean, kept it in our calendar and then waited to that day and are like, nah, traveling, you know. Yeah, no, I'm in, you know, indisposed. exactly. I'm on a plane right now. I'm on a boat. It was the summer. Uh, well, you know, one thing that I talked about on the last episode that I've got a bit of an upgrade or update on is, so I had, I had uh, first had an application that was related to uh, recruiting a particular type of role for, for a company. And uh, then there was another one of those required, but it was quite different than the first. So I was going through this decision-making process about, do I uh, just do another bespoke kind of solution to this other, you know, quite different business problem, though they, they had quite a bit in common, given that they're both recruiting related, or do I try to make a multi-tenant, more generalized uh, solution for this sort of recruiting, call it high volume recruiting for, for the sorts of jobs you'd have many of if you were a big company. And I had, after you know, uh, going back and forth on the pros and cons of that, gone uh, in the direction of making a multi-tenant sort of general platform. And then we made many jokes about how I'd regret it in a few months. And uh, and now it's a few months later, or at least a couple months later. And uh, and yeah, so I, I can give a bit of an update about that, I suppose. Um, so I think it had, it very much had all of the forecasted costs and benefits. <laughs> so Accurate. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what the takeaway is. That Basically, like, uh, it was a tough call in that the trade-off seemed uh, kind of big and sort of obvious. So the trade-offs being, you know, if, if I made something bespoke, then it's easier. Um, you can fit to the exact needs a little bit easier. The engineering itself is easier. I think that once you get into these more um, more abstract ideas than you know the ability of every team member to contribute equally goes down and uh, but on the on the upside of, of going in the uh, multi-tenant general uh, approach is that uh, is leverage you know that instead of just being able to use the application for a given type of job or a given company that you've got a, a, a shot at using it for many different job types for many different companies and you know in the end I think, I think it was the right decision, although the costs were pretty high. So, you know, it was accurate that the engineering was much more difficult because the, the number of topics where you had to really think through sort of the general um, concept that, that a given need applies to and then try to imagine all of the other needs. Now, now, thankfully, we did have other needs that we were aware of or and had worked on to sort of bounce up against a given abstraction. But... You know, that's hard. It, it, it meant that, so there are one, two, three, four, five different people that worked on the project at some point in time. And I think that given the, the, the design to go multi-tenant and general, it meant that the actual architecture of a given feature tended to bottleneck a little bit into a couple people that, uh, you know, had, I think, enough um, perspective and technical skill to architect it right. Um, and, you know, that was a little rough because then it wasn't just a matter of sort of delegating a given feature to any of the five people really, you know, th things had to go in a couple places when they were upstream and, and, and uh, were going to be leveraged pretty heavily across the, uh, the different uh, uses of the application and required some clever abstraction. So, you know, that was a thing. And the, the uh, user interface, you know, al allowing it to... Um, uh, display all the different sort of form types and, and answer types and, and all that. That, that was, uh, as expected, a little bit tricky to get right. Um, but on the positive side is now we have an application that's in beta that's being used, you know, daily for real work that actually is flexible. You know, because the worst case scenario is that you take on all of this work and then at the end you've taken a sort of generalized application and fit it to one particular need. That's right. the worst possible case because then you get none of the benefits and you took on the majority of the cost. Right, right, right. 
But I think in this case, we, we took on the cost, and it was certainly possible about two-thirds of the way into the project to take that left turn at the fork in the road, which just leaves you, you know, using this general application for a particular purpose. Um, but we didn't. You know, we sort of gutted it out and, and uh, uh, with a couple bumps along the way, um, got the, the sort of general platform right. And... Uh, or it's somewhat right. Like I said, it's in beta, and we're still even even today and this week. I think working out a couple of of uh, issues that have come up. But um, if I was to do it again, I think I think we made the right choice. But uh, I, I think that my pause. You know, sometimes you go through a process like this, and then you look back and go, "Oh my God, it was so obvious." Of course, we should have done that. <laughs> I don't think that this was that. I think I think this was, uh, <laughs> in hindsight, the uh, the amount of time that went into sort of thinking about which way to go was probably um, well applied because it was a close enough call that uh, that that really thinking through those uh, pros and cons made sense. So I Man. think that, that I think you can be smug about it. Man, I've, uh, or did you think I'm not it was used going to this feeling? This is like a, I don't even know how to react right now. Now I thought that that was going to be the deal too. So I don't know. I mean, <laughs> we weren't really on other sides of this, no. but but I think that you, I think you were confident that it would it would possibly be the wrong call. <laughs> it is certainly was possibly the wrong call, but I think in the end, yeah. No, I mean, I, I think, I think. I think you're. I mean, I. I think. I think we both agreed that it was just like, yep. Here are the risks, and here are the possible rewards, and let's see kind of what side you landed on. And it sounds like down the middle, you know. Yeah, I think that's right, and I think the part of the story isn't told yet. So in mm, six months, um, I think we can you know look back and say, well, how critical to the sort of progression of that line of business was the opportunity to work with you know, many different divisions of a given company or many companies on many different types of roles. And um, if that answer, you know, that answer will become more clear, I think, business-wise over time. I mean, I think I know how it's going to wind up, but, you know, it won't necessarily. And it's interesting, technically, this actually gets back to something that you closed on with the universe comments, is that the right choice technically very much was a function of the business model and resources that would be dedicated to pursuing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so there wasn't sort of a right answer technically. It, it, it depends on, you know, if you'd be able to activate, so to speak, the more generalized framework with the investment of resources on a business model that could make use of it. And, you know, maybe that's the takeaway then, which is, you know, when faced with a, a, a difficult technical choice like that that has obvious trade-offs and the sort of coefficients on the key bits of the, the formula in that they trade-off um, function have to do with things that aren't technical, really, really make sure that you are collaborating and understand, you know, collaborating with and understanding the business side of things, lest you'll, you know, go down a path that in, you know, your made-up version of of how things were going to go may have made sense, but may not make sense in the context of, you know, what the organization had to invest. Um, which I know is sort of annoying on the development side because, you know, it's, it's more fun typically for a lot of people to sort of fence off from all those concerns and just work on the more pure technical problem. But I'm not sure that that exists in, in many cases. So there we go. Awesome. There's, there's the update. Yeah. You're in, going into the sunset on your high horse. <laughs> It's not that high. <laughs> okay, a pony then. It's a pony. It's <laughs> it's not one of those little dwarf horses. I think that's what they're called. Uh, Dwarfes, dwarfes. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Sorry, that's all I got. Dwarfes. <laughs> dwarfes sounds like a uh, you know the lament of a, a child with a speech impediment that his parents. Oh man. Yeah. So anyhow, that's my that's my update. I don't think technically. I mean, I've worked on many things over the summer. Um, some technical, some not at all technical, some uh, not technical, but very much hinged on technical issues. But I think for me, it's been you know most of the growth and the in de- development and sort of exploration of things has been focused outside of technology recently. And I've been kind of relying on the, you know, tried and true sort of collection of approaches that I've used for a couple of years now to, uh, 
to push the ball forward. And I, I think that that actually has sort of been an interesting experience. You know, you, I was reflecting on this the other day that, you know, some number of years ago when my programming skills were, weren't as good as they are now, you know, my entire focus was on getting um, them as good as they could be. And that probably came at the expense of plenty of other things in my life, like sleeping <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, the business side of companies that I had, had started or were part of. And now, interestingly, you know, I don't, I don't have to spend too much time on the, the, you know, development of those core technical skills. I mean, obviously there are always improvements to be made and opportunities to get better and whatever, but, um, you know, at any point in time, I can kind of settle into cruise control and depend on the skills and build, you know, they're there and they're not going anywhere and they're good. And uh, now I've got more time to focus on the other things, you know, and if we just limit this to the sort of work context and those other things are relationships externally, relationships internally, um, you know, new opportunities and, you know, various things that leverage those technical skills. And, uh, man, that's a nice, that's a nice place to get to, um, I think. And, and it, for me, it's been interesting in that now it doesn't feel like now I'm sort of settled into a groove, but rather I'm still in the same sort of push the ball forward groove that I've been in for, you know, 20 years or whatever. But, uh, but the ball that's being pushed forward is, isn't technical so much as it used to be. Yeah. Um, you know, now it's back to things. Yeah. It, it, interestingly back to things that i think were originally my core skill set you know which are you know building companies and selling and 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 building relationships with external parties etc and you know what i'm guessing is that at some point in time then um when i feel like i've sort of leveled up on that side and uh benefited from the the fruits of that effort then you know it'll probably you know tick tock back this direction to the technical side and It'll be time to, to push forward into either, you know, new types of applications or, you know, maybe heavier focus on applied analytics or, or other areas. And, um, you know, that'll be good too. But for now, uh, for now, uh, the, the, the technical side is, is, is kind of gone into maintenance mode for a while. Yeah. Which I, I think is a good segue. That's, that's, uh. I mean, there are some other reasons too, but that, that's really the reason to uh, have this be my last episode of this. I think I think this show was was in part about me, you know, uh, working through the back half of uh, of that, you know, transformation process to become legitimately good technically, and uh, you know, it's been a it's been a good experience. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for you. <laughs> truly though that's not it that's not a disingenuous but <laughs> no i mean it's been it's been a lot of fun doing the podcast with you i'm excited to uh you know it, it was always exciting to, to 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 chat and fight about how alexa is better than siri um and i'm still right but the rest of it you know looking forward uh it's not not gonna quite be the same without you sean <laughs> i didn't look at how many episodes that i, I had recorded i think the number is I think it's 80. Wow. I know. That's a lot of episodes. I think, I, for whatever reason, I've been, um, I, don't, I don't know why, but I've been thinking more about, like, mortality recently. <laughs> like, so, I don't know. I'm, the, I was the, I'm out uh, on a trip right now, and uh, during the trip out, I was listening to a couple of podcasts, and one was the most recent This American Life. And... In it, um, the first act was about this uh, this town in or city in Japan that got wiped out by a tsunami, and a guy in that city put a, a, t a phone booth in his garden that was that had a phone in it, but it wasn't connected to anything. And he'd go into the phone booth and and speak to his wife that had passed away oh, in the tsunami, and. Uh, one way or another, that sort of story became known inside of Japan, and then this became a destination for everyone, right? Or not everyone, but you know, other people that had lost um, loved ones in this tsunami. And uh, anyway, so this episode of This American Life uh, has audio from their various phone calls to the dead, and uh, I highly recommend it. By the way, it's it's excellent. But anyways, that I was so I was 
in the car listening to that and then thinking about us recording this the next day. And uh, one of the things that I'm happy about about the podcast is that uh, I think it's nice to have something that your kids can listen to. Yeah, like e- even though half of the episodes are about topics that they would never care about. Um, I mean, that's being generous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Best case half. I think it was, yeah, good point. It, uh, there was at least a moment in every episode. Sure. <laughs> there were sure. at least 80 moments that are like, you know, this is this is good when, you know, when I'm older or dead or whatever. It's nice to have, uh, it's nice to have that sort of stuff because... Uh, you're probably better about archiving sort of moments from your life than I am, but I don't know that I've been great, and I feel like the show's been one of that. Yeah, I don't know that I have, but I, I feel like I've just done more where the with the where the archival came for free, you know, like um, doing a lot of stuff in GitHub's name and, and doing like a training course and stuff like that. Like all those things are recorded and have my face and show something. Like when I did my talk at Universe, um, it was live streamed, right? And so uh, my wife and, and son sat down and streamed it and Cooper absolutely loved it. And my wife was like, I don't really know what you're talking about, but it seemed really good. <laughs> and so like those sort of moments, even though he's too young to really grasp what's going on, he just thought it was the coolest thing in the world that daddy was on television. Well, daddy's on TV. is That's like a sure to be popular. Yeah. So I'm just going to keep pulling that out. So hopefully you can win some good graces with my two and a half year old, but yeah, but yeah, no, I totally get it. I get it. It'll be fun. I think it'd be fun to listen back to an episode in like five years. <laughs> At some point. At some point. Once once the pain has worn off. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, geez, I shouldn't have forgotten this on our last episode. Uh, we should talk about one of our sponsors. <laughs> oh, please. Our, our off neglected sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, everyone. We're we're coming back. I promise. Yeah. All right. Well, my final episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Braintree Payments. Why make payment integration more difficult than it has to be? Braintree's powerful full stack payment platform allows you to accept nearly any type of payment from any device with just one integration. It's flexible to your system's needs and supports most programming languages. So whether you're using Java, which would be strange if you're listening to this show right now, uh, or Ruby or Python, you'll always have a range of server-side and client-side SDKs available. Braintree makes payments and your job a whole lot easier. You can learn more at braintreepayments.com slash railspodcast. That's braintreepayments.com slash railspodcast. And uh, I didn't mention in the types of, in the languages before that they have a pretty good JavaScript um, library, but they do, and uh, that may be helpful for your client integrations as well. Anyhow, they've got elegant code with clear documentation and really good support if you need it. So thanks to Braintree Payments for sponsoring the Ruby on Rails podcast. Awesome. Well, we've got one more sponsor. That means we need one more segment. <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> oh my goodness um, um, yeah so like show. i guess you know i don't know let's be meta like what What do you think i should do now like it's just me sitting here should i do like i so here's what i'm thinking right i think i do like uh like live with kelly ripa and basically just have a co-host every week you know i'll get michael Joe- strahan is supposed to be a super guy I'll get Joel, Joel McHale to come on one week, and then uh-huh. Anderson Cooper. Um, I don't yeah. know. I feel like that's that's the way forward now. Do interviews I, too, but I don't yeah, know. I think I, a, I think a sort of a recurring uh, set of people is good. Yeah, um, I think that I the interview a stable format stable of people exactly. I think that the interview format when every interview is with someone that you either didn't know before or don't know well is really high beta right like so some of the best episodes come of that and some of the worst would come of that and uh it's also you know the number of minutes per minute of show is like triple that of the live with kelly approach yeah um so yeah i think that the i think probably the the highest expected sort of quality approach is is what you said which is you know kind of a you know taped live type deal with yep. a set of people so that there's some variety but that set is is contained so that there's you know uh, you can get into a groove with each person awesome all right uh, and i would think that a lot of people at at 
GitHub would be pretty fun to have on. Yeah. Yeah. Not I to mean, make it like the, you know, the weekly GitHub podcast, but I think, you know, GitHub's a pretty big part of the community and clearly has tons of talented folks. So Yeah, I definitely think I can get a gaggle of hubbers and rails rails types and luckily I think I think we won't have a problem. We'll have to just give it a give it a go. Now GitHub isn't rewriting the back end in Node right now, are they? It's Rust now, actually. Oh, Rust. Well, well, good. Or Crystal, I guess, is the cool thing now. I don't know. I'm old. Let me let me die old with Ruby. <laughs> are you? Now, at some that's a funny uh, a funny last topic. So at some point, you are going to get as good in another language as you are in Ruby. Yeah. When do you think that'll be? Um. That's a good question. Thank you. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I do not know. <laughs> Probably a while from now. What's the most likely? Well, the interesting language? thing. I, the, so for me, what seems to be the case, with maybe the exception of JavaScript, because of its just you know proliferation, like everything can run JavaScript, is just that like there's. I think we're past the period where there's where there's like these clear winner languages, you know. Like, wow, you know, you have to go use Rails or whatever. It's going to be that much better. I just don't think that that's, like, how the world works anymore. Everything is just, like, slightly better in a different way. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I just don't know that there's ever going to be a time where it's like, oh, we got, you know, you have to go learn this to be kind of up to snuff on things. Uh, you know, except I, I, JavaScript. I think except JavaScript, either. yeah, I agree. Uh, but, you know, with, with the rest of it, I think it's just going to be a matter of at some point, if Ruby doesn't get up to snuff on concurrency or whatever, and concurrency is the way forward in computing, which, you know, are, at least at this point it is, you know, th there's probably going to have to be some language in that vein of like Rust Go, whatever, that I'll have to just, my backend nature will push me towards. Um, but I don't know how soon that is, uh, whether that's, you know, a year, months, days, minutes, uh, I don't know. Now, are you, does does the, quote, serverless mm, story kind of... Your serverless is my server. <laughs> yeah, right. But does that, does that uh, appeal to you in some sort of way? I mean, I feel like serverless in a way is what I do, except it's just my, like gig you know like for example like i release graphql right you could build a an application that's just html css javascript right like a full fully functioning application and you're in a browser and never host a server just put it on github pages but it's going to query something to get the data and that thing it's going to query will continue to be me uh or you know some other service blah 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 but but you uh, know it could be it could be serverless all the way down so to speak i, I, I guess <laughs> Someone somewhere is running a is running the service, and I'm just assuming that that will probably be a role that I will continue to to to, to work in. You know, at least at the size that GitHub is. If at some point I leave GitHub and I'm like going on my merry way or something, and I want to I want to use something like Heroku or Amazon or whatever to do the sort of interesting dynamic bits, and then just push up, you know, just HTML, CSS, JavaScript. I think that's a great way forward. But someone's still responsible for that other side, uh, and I just I'm interested in that other side you know i've never really been super interested in the client side javascript single page uh serverless idea i don't think it's bad it's just not something that piques my interest well i think it's i mean the, the only part about that that didn't seem quite right to me is that the serverless is because i consider myself to be more server side than client side although I, i've done a lot of client stuff now too but i think that the serverless story is pretty appealing on the server side of my responsibilities, um, just to you know, to offload anything, anything that is peaky in its nature. Um, but not that I mean, I, I haven't done much of it. I think I've put, I don't know, three little services out on AWS that run via the API gateway with a Lambda function in back of it. Um, that kind of seems nice. Yeah, I don't think it's not nice. I, 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 my, my point is more just that, like, you know, uh, I don't think GitHub's ever going to move to, uh, you know, 4,000 Lambda functions. No. You know what I mean? And so for me, it's just like, yeah, sure, go, go for it. I think that's totally right. I think I'm just going to be one of the serverless pieces of functionality you may or may not use, you know?
<laughs> while you put your site up on S3 or whatever. I like that as your uh, Twitter bio. Is that what it should be? Yeah. I'll have to change the... it after this. Yeah. Exactly. Well, uh, that seems like a good opportunity to talk about our uh, next and final sponsor of my final show, which is uh, Dev Bootcamp. If you're thinking about becoming a software developer, you should check out Dev Bootcamp. They are the original short-term immersive software development program um, that transforms those that are new to coding into job-ready, full-stack web developers. You can learn front and back-end web development, teamwork, and leadership skills in a rigorous and inclusive environment. They've got several locations around the country, and their program is split between remote and uh, in-person at those locations. You could, you should go check them out uh, at devbootcamp.com slash ruby. Again, devbootcamp.com slash ruby. You can learn more about their curriculum, about the cost of the program, about the, uh, the approach that they use to make sure that you uh, learn what you need and also can transform that into the job that you're looking for. Anyhow, thanks to Dev Bootcamp for supporting the show. Thanks, Dev Bootcamp. <laughs> right. Well, that's it. Oh, man. This is harder than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Are you getting uh, verklempt? <laughs> Overklempt. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, thanks a million, Sean, for uh, inviting me on when you did, and it, it has been a lot of fun doing this with you uh, over the last however long it's been, months, years. How long has it been? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. It's like I've lost all sense of time. Year and a half, maybe? Has it been? Oh, my goodness. I think so. Yeah, well, th let me give a few things. So thanks to you for, uh, for becoming co-host somewhere around halfway through um, my time as the host. It was, a, it was a, a really good change for me. It was a, a lot of work, frankly, to, to get a, a new guest every week. And like I said, sometimes um, you, know, you can have some of the best episodes going that way, and then some of them are going to be uh, not as good as you want. And um, I think by coming on, well, one, we had a lot of fun, and, and two, it was uh, a pretty dependable way to create a, uh, a podcast that was uh, about the same quality every time. So that was a lot of fun. So thanks to you. For everyone that's listened to a lot of these episodes, and I've met um, uh, many people now that have, I, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you for um, spending the time to, to uh, tune in when we released episodes, and uh, hopefully we can stay connected in the future. I, I feel like this is, uh, this is the moment I just got old, by the way. Yeah, it is. You're, you're, this is it. Well, this is, this is the admit, only thing keeping you alive, actually. Yeah, is that <laughs> You're right? about to find out, yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, like for the first, I don't know, 30-something years of my life, I don't think I really ended anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, things just end, but <laughs> it's not buttoned up uh, in the way that perhaps it should be. So, Oh, boy. Awesome. Yep. Here's to continuous improvement. So, all right. Well, thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Sean. Uh, see everyone back here next week uh, with the Sean-less episode of uh, the Ruby on Rails <laughs> podcast. All right, see ya.